This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And today's show is coming live to you from Raiders HQ. Very excited about being here for the next couple hours. Was here at the practice facility in Henderson earlier this morning for what we thought was going to be practice. Turned out not to be. Head coach John Gruden, when the media walked out to the to the practice field, decided that, you know what? These guys have been working their tail off. Just going to call practice off. And we all looked at each other in the media because you know it's all about us. <laughs> we all looked at each other in the media and said, what in the world? Wait a minute. What's going on? This isn't possible. What's the problem? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I'll be the first to admit, even myself said, wait a minute, something doesn't feel right. Why would they not practice today? Well, Q, because they've practiced all these days since, since uh, July 27th, at least a handful, what, 10, 12 practices? I don't have the exact number, but about over the span of 14 or 15 days, I've been going pretty hard in the paint. It's pretty hot outside. So John Gruden as they're in game week, decides, hey, no practice today. A lot of people looked around, were confused, but they still went in there. And when I say no practice, it was no field work. Let me make sure I make that 100% correct. Goes in, in there, still does their, their weight room work, still did some you know, conversation as far as uh, you know, just trying to coach each other up and, and, and learn a little bit. And, and what I mean by that is Gerald McCoy, who's already taken on a leadership role on this team, even though he's only been there about a, about a week. He, uh, he, he, he took some guys to the side on the defensive line and started coaching them up a little bit. You'll hear from Derek Carr uh, coming up in just a few minutes on that so you can get a further explanation. But, uh, yeah, even though a lot of people, and, of course, Twitter, I, I, I put out a tweet, change of plans, no practice today. A lot of people flipped out and thought, uh-oh, COVID just hit the team, or uh-oh, something's going on. Uh-oh, where's Derek Carr? Oh, did Marcus Mariota get traded? I mean, I heard every and seen and read every single conspiracy theory that could have been going on. And I said, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll ask when it comes our turn to ask. And eventually, Jonathan Hankins, Alec Ingold, and Derek Carr all met with the media and were actually happy. Big smiles on their face. Nice uh, day off the practice field. Again, went in there, did their weight, weight work. Richie Incognito, he, he kind of not ran off the field, but uh, he, he was walking off the field leaving the practice field because they were in full pads. They were out there ready to go. And Coach Gruden, you know, decided to pull the plug. Hey, no, no, no go today. He walked by us. Sorry, guys. Not Gruden. Uh, uh, um, Richie Incognito walks by us. Sorry, guys. You guys out here to check out practice. And, well, we're just not going to have practice today. <laughs> and just kind of had a little bit of a, a little laugh and a smile on his face when he said that. And I don't think he had any problems going in and, uh, and, and taking off the pads and, and just hitting the weight room. I think he had no problem with that as – Clearly, uh, all the players on the team, none of them had a problem with that as they were all have been working in a major way. So uh, still coming to you today from the Henderson facility. Like I said before, at the top of the show, excited about the next two hours. Got a lot to get to, a lot of good guests to get to. Do have some sound from those media sessions following the, the, the weightlifting part of practice. 
you heard from Derek Carr. Alec Ingold and Jonathan Hankins, they both spoke to the media as well. Uh, Alec Ingold was really good. Jonathan Hankins was pretty pretty impressed with what he's seen, uh, you know, defensively, the rotation on the defensive line. Uh, the offensive line, he, he mentioned as fast. It's probably about the fourth or fifth time I've heard someone say that that offensive line is really fast and quick and athletic, and which is what they were trying to do. They were trying to lose a little bit of size and, and gain a little bit of athleticism. So I've heard about four or five times now from different players. As a matter of fact, I asked the question to Jonathan Hankins, what have you seen from the offensive line? And he, he just said, man, they're fast. They're fast and athletic. <laughs> and he kind of laughed. He said, man, they ain't got as much weight and as much size as they had last year, but they – they definitely have, uh, you know, they have some, they have some, uh, some speed and some athleticism on the team. So uh, you will hear from Derek Carr in uh, in just a little bit. There is some some Raiders moves as far as uh, roster moves that I want to get to. I'll get to that in a few minutes as well. Before I get to that, though, I do want to tell you about the guests we have coming up on the show at two thirty. Alex Fleming, he's actually from the Florida Sun Review. He's going to join us to talk about. A longtime Florida State head football coach, Bobby Bowden, who over the weekend when we were in Canton, Ohio, he passed away at the age of 91. And this was something that was already expected deal with what was going on with Bobby. He had uh, you know, some, some uh, health issues that everyone was aware of and, and his family was uh, at peace with, knowing that was going to go on. And, and Bobby was at peace with as well. But I uh, just want to give him that honor. And, and I know it's a few days late, but – I guess it's uh, better late than, than never, right? So I definitely wanted to because he's a longtime legendary head football coach uh, from Florida State, uh, put a lot of guys in the NFL, and a lot of guys looked up to him. A lot of coaches throughout the coaching fraternity, uh, college and, uh, and, and NFL, all looked up to Bobby Bowden. So just going to get uh, Alex's thoughts on, on the passing of Bobby, what it meant, uh, you know, how alumni of Florida State were feeling, uh, you know, by the official passing of him, again, at age 91. So we'll do that at 2.30. Then at 2.55, I'm very excited about this guest. And normally we don't have a guest at 2.55. It's usually be around 2.30 or maybe 3 or 3.15 or something. We, usually we get it at a time like that. But because of meetings that this particular coach has to, has to deal with, go through, go to, uh, we have to do it at 2.55, and that's okay, because when we get the opportunity to talk to this coach, it doesn't matter what time it is, we'll make sure it works. And that's uh, Raiders defensive back coach, secondary coach, Ron Milas. This is a guy that I've been trying to get an interview with for a while. And I've talked about Ron Milas on the show multiple times that I really admire the way that he coaches. Uh, I've been watching every time I'm at practice. I always kind of watch what he does, who he's talking to, how he's coaching them, how he's teaching them. And I think that's the key right there is how he's teaching. He does a great job of coaching, but he also, especially with this relatively young secondary outside of a Casey Hayward, you, you have a, a very young, young secondary. He teaches these guys as well, and that's very important. You know, he's talking to Jonathan Abram. He's talking to Trayvon Merrick. He's talking to Damon Arnett. And, you know, he met with the media the other day for a few minutes, but uh, really a guy that I wanted to get that one-on-one opportunity. And, and I remember – a couple of weeks ago, I asked head coach John Gruden about Ron Miles and, and just how the how the players have adapted to not only him but Richard Smith, the linebacking coach. And he said, in, in, in just straight up, if you ever get a chance to talk one on one with Ron Miles, do it. And so that day, from that day forward, I put that on my list of okay coaches that I have to get on the show. 
So we'll be pleased to have Ron Miles, Raiders secondary coach, coming up at 2.55, and then he has a meeting uh, immediately after that. So we'll get him for a good you know, 10 minutes, and uh, we'll, we'll get some good stuff from, from Coach Miles. Excited about that. Then at 3.30, we'll have our normal Wednesday guest. That's Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, uh, who was not at practice today. Uh, she kind of rotates. She's in a rotation of uh, you know, when, when she comes to the practice facility. And it's funny because the day she doesn't come to the practice facility is a day that, well, there is no practice. So she didn't miss anything, but I, I thought that was kind of funny. She's always here. Uh, usually she's always here before me as well. And then uh, for her not to be here today, and then they didn't, have, uh, they didn't have practice. I said, of course. Of course they didn't. But uh, we'll get Cassie's thoughts on what she's seen in training camp as we do each and every week. And then her expectations for Saturday. She's someone who's been at Allegiant Stadium multiple times. Uh, she was there on Sunday when they had their, their little scrimmage there in front of fans. She was there for the big Gold Cup event, the soccer event that they had there a couple weeks now, weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I'm sure she's excited and fired up about uh, being there to cover a game on Saturday that is the first actual game with fans in the stands. It's a, a, a real game, even though it's a preseason game. It's still, there's a big buzz. There's a real big buzz around this game. Uh, if you try to go online and buy tickets for the game right now, it's one of the most expensive tickets around for a preseason game, a couple hundred bucks at least, at least. And those might be the cheap seats. And the reason I know that is because Little Q's coming to town. Matter of fact, tomorrow evening... He'll be in town as he wants to go to some summer league games. He's excited about uh, Jalen Green from, uh, from the Rockets. And uh, matter of fact, he put in a heck of a performance last night going up against Kate Cunningham of the Detroit Pistons. Those guys went one and two in the draft. And uh, Green is actually a guy that uh, my son, Little Q, played against multiple times while he was at Roosevelt High School. And Jalen Green was, I think, was it Washington Union? It wasn't Washington Union, but it was there in Central Cali, and he played against him multiple times. So he kind of uh, has always looked up to, to Jalen, and so uh, he wants to see him in action, wants to see Cade Cunningham, plus it's basketball. And uh, Little Q, as you'll get to know, is a big basketball dude, big hooper on his way to Western Oregon to go play, play basketball and you know get his education, of course, which is the most important thing. So he'll be down here tomorrow. So I thought, man, I'm going to be covering the, the Raiders game on Saturday It'd be great if I can get him some tickets. He can go to, you know, go go inside the stadium and, and check it out, and you know, go back home and and talk about how cool the stadium was. And he's of course a lifelong Raider fan. He had no choice, as his dad was me, <laughs> so he didn't have any options. How unfortunate, <laughs> Damon! You only wish you could have had a daddy as cool as me. I'm just saying, and your daddy's probably as cool as the other side of the pillow. But I'm cooler than the other side of the pillow. I'm just saying, I'm that guy. You wanna, you 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 would you would want to be a. Uh, uh, a, a little cute too. Just saying, but I couldn't afford you. You're too expensive. I was just talking about being forced to be a Raider fan with no other choice. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it's that's what it's. It, I mean, that's called raising your kids right, dude. It's called raising your kids right. You 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 let them know, like, hey, man, it's it's this way or it's no way. And so there you go. So I, I taught them right, but point of the story is the preseason tickets are very expensive, but uh, I was actually blessed to, to have a, a, a great listener of uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 and also my podcast uh, hit me up. Matter of fact, in the middle of the night last night, hit me up, sent me a direct message, told me that uh, he lives in, in uh, Seattle, I believe. Yeah, Seattle, and he wasn't going to be able to make the game, so he was going to transfer the tickets over to me. So he actually gifted me a pair of tickets, so Little Q is going to get to go to Allegiant Stadium and check out a game. The very first, uh, you know, preseason game with fans in the stands on Saturday. He's gonna, man. I'm telling you, we want to talk about living his best life. He's gonna go to some summer league ball while he's here. He's gonna go to Allegiant Stadium while he's here, and I don't have to pay a whole lot for it. So that's even better for me. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm excited about that, uh, that opportunity. 
Uh, but, man, I, I know there's a lot of folks and a lot of fans that are excited about the opportunity as well. Uh, I've been hit up multiple times by people saying, hey, I'm on my way to Vegas right now. It is Wednesday. Folks tell me they're coming to Vegas right now to make that move to uh, to go to the game on a Saturday against the Seahawks. So um, that's that's the guest lineup we have. Alex Fleming, we have Raiders defensive back coach Ron Miles, and we have Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review-Journal uh, all coming up on today's show. You'll hear from Derek Carr in a little bit. But I want to know, what are you looking most forward to this Saturday for the preseason opener at Allegiant Stadium? I know a lot of people don't get fired up normally for a preseason game, but this is just feels different. This just has a different kind of a buzz. You know, I even have a little bit more excitement for this game just knowing that there's going to be fans there and they're going to be able to f- really experience what a game feels like. I know they had the scrimmage last Sunday against, you know, against themselves and it was kind of just a glorified practice, but they're going to see another team in there and they're going to be sitting in their seats and they're just going to enjoy the whole opportunity. So, what is it that you're looking forward to the most? What is it that you just cannot wait to do? Is it is it Enjoy the stadium if you're going. Is it just watching the game and seeing what this, you know, the, the beginning of the, the maturation of this 2021 team is? Because, look, everyone that's going to be watching this game over the weekend on Saturday is not going to be here in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. So if you're not going to be here, what are you looking forward to? I'm, I'm, I'm looking for folks that are going to be here in town and folks that aren't going to be here in town. What is it that has you fired up if you're fired up? about this uh, this Saturday's game. So hit us up, 702-365-9200. That's the Raider Nation listener line. We also have the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Make sure you uh, hit up SalmonAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. Uh, Damon, from your point of view, and I know you actually have a different angle because you're going to be working the game and not in the not in the, the, the press box, but you're going to be working from, what, a fan engagement type of thing uh, at the Legion Stadium on Saturday? Yeah, media relations. I'm going to be one of those people. Like, if you're a little lost in the press box and we're going to be like, hey, Q, this is where you need to be at right here. Don't worry. Going to be doing a little running around. You know, uh, yeah, I'm excited. So you're okay. So you're, so you're going to be. I'm, I'm honestly thinking my actual game watching is going to be very minimal. Yeah, it will. It will be. I thought you were. I thought you were doing fan engagement where you were going to be like on the concourse or something, but you're going to be. You're going to be more in the press box, kind of directing dummies like me on where to go. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Well, there, yeah. there's yeah. You're and right. A lot, and a lot more. Oh, <laughs> a lot more dummies, or are you gonna be doing a lot more things? A lot more things. Oh, okay. No, no, thought... no. None of our, none of the respected media of none of the respected members of the press are idiots or dummies or anything like that. No, the media, the smartest of the smart. Look at us. Yeah, yeah. I know you said that with air quotes and, and a, a whole lot of sarcasm, but I'm I'm okay with that. Sarcasm is, is good. I appreciate it. So uh, hit us up. Again, the Raider Nation listener line, 702-365-9200. Uh, and then the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Now, Devon, I do want to go ahead and play a couple of Derek Carr sound bites. And, I mean, we can start with the, the first one. I know JT played a couple of them, but I, I definitely want to want to get to a couple of these. Uh, let's just talk about and, and hear from him talking about getting the day off and, uh, you know, and, and what they're doing with their day off. It's definitely when you first start putting the pads on and all that kind of stuff. It's definitely something that around the second, third period, you're like, whew, you got to tuck yourself into it a little bit. But um, one thing is, again, it wasn't a day off, you know. Um, you know, we, we were still working just in the weight room with AJ and, to, you know, with the trainers, with Cortez and stuff. But um, I would say that our team has been working really hard. Uh, it's been highly competitive camp, probably the most competitive camp uh, I've been a part of. And uh, when you watch the film and you just see the effort and you see some of the 
big guys, you know, they, they're a little tired. You know, you see some things that um, you don't want injuries to happen. You know, you see some of the fast guys that, you know, we had a, you know, maybe a this little tweak or this little thing. And, you know, that's co- you know that's his job to take care of the team, you know. And uh, that was his call. We had no idea. Um, at least I didn't. Maybe some of the other guys did. I had no idea. Uh, I was ready. After the defense got after us a little bit yesterday, I was talking trash in the locker room, you know, so I was I was ready to kick the crap out of them today. And uh, I told him coach gave him a free pass, so they have to wait one more day for it. <laughs> so there was Derek Carr right there talking about the, the unexpected, you know, day off of the field work, not out of the weight room. They were doing that. And uh, he was fired up. He, he was pretty fired up to get back out there on the field because of the, the defense and the way that the defense created a bunch of turnovers uh, just the day before, and it was well-documented. We all talked about it. If it was JT talking about it, if it was me talking about it, if it was Vinny talking about it, we were all talking about how much the defense made plays and, and what they were doing, and that's something that we'll talk to Coach Ron Miles about coming up at the end of the hour, you know, is about the, the turnovers that they were able to create on, a, on Tuesday. And so uh, I asked him, I asked Derek Carr about the defensive improvements and, and how excited he is to see that they are trending in the right direction. Awesome. Um, if anyone walked off that field uh, excited, it was definitely me. Um, you know, this is a team game, and it will always be the – it's the best game because it's the team game. Every man in that locker room matters, you know, in, in order for us to end up with the goal that we want, right? And, and when they're making plays like that, I've been around days where, you know, it's – we win 100% of the time, you know, and that um, – that's that's hard, you know, because then you're like, yeah, I think we're going to be pretty good, but you know, I hope, you know, hopefully, hopefully we're that good, you know. Um, whereas all camp has been competitive. Now yesterday there was just a when turnovers happen, they come in bunches. Like that's an NFL saying, you know, they come in bunches, and um, for them to get them and uh, for tip balls, like I've seen those hit the ground all the time, but for them to, you watch some of those efforts for guys like running the other direction to put their foot in the ground and go get those like it's impressive stuff you know it's definitely being taught and it's definitely something talked about in their training so um, for it to happen was exciting for us you know obviously you don't want to ever lose a day you know um, but they they got after us um, you know and they had the turnovers and they're punching the ball out not just you know interceptions or tip picks and things like that but I mean they're punching the ball you know so you can definitely tell it's it's being coached you know coach Gruden always says what you put on film is what you coach right and so you can definitely you can see the you can see it happening all throughout camp, and then it just they kept working, kept working, and then finally it just broke free for them. So uh, again, we we want to limit that as an offense, but it's an exciting thing as a team because those are short fields, and short fields usually equal points in this league. And that's one of the biggest keys, man. If the Raiders could find, if their defense could find a way to create turnovers. And he's right. In the league, if you watch defenses, they get turnovers in bunches. Normally when you see a team uh, with a turnover, uh, you know, an interception or a fumble recovery or something, you, normally you see a couple turnovers. Usually you'll see a, a couple, and that's how teams go. Sometimes they'll go three or four games in a row with an interception or a fumble or, or a strip sack or so, something like that. They do come in bunches, and they, they definitely came in bunches on Tuesday. If the Raiders can find ways – it's not something you can count on, but if you can find a way – to create some turnovers, come up with a big play when it's really needed. You know, when you've got to protect that that last drive, when you've got to protect that four-point lead, you've got to keep that team out of the end zone. If the safety come up, the corner comes up, someone could come up with a big play, that's what is needed in a major way. And, you know, it, it always stinks when you have to – you can go back to one specific year 
and say, well, when the Raiders made the playoffs last, well, that's, that's what you could do. 2016 was the last time the Raiders made the playoffs. That's what their defense did. It wasn't the best defense in the league, not even close. But the one thing that they did, they really excelled at, was creating turnovers. And so they would be able to get the ball, like Derek said, with a short field, and then they would cash that in with points. Or that would protect the, the lead at the end of a game. If this defense can find a way to just come up with some turnovers here or there, create some turnovers, then that's going to go a long way. Because I'll tell you right now, if, if I had to bet money, which I'm not going to do, but if I had to bet money on it, if you give Derek Carr the ball with a short field, he's going to find a way to get the ball either in the end zone or put three points up. And, of course, you don't want to settle for three. You want to get six. But I, just getting the extra points or getting the extra possessions is a big deal because you're stopping the other team from scoring, period. So I definitely believe that that is something that, uh, that, that can, can be achieved. And now before we, we take a break, we'll take a break right after this, uh, I did want to play Derek Carr talking about Gerald McCoy. Now this is a question that I asked, and, and you know, ever since I heard Gerald McCoy meet with the media yesterday and just the way that he was so fired up and the fact that he's only been with the team for a very short amount of time, but he's already taken on that leadership role, I've been asking and I asked uh, Jonathan Hankins, you know, hey, what does Gerald McCoy meant to the team in the defensive line? And he gave a good answer. Well, here's Derek Carr. Listen to this answer about what Gerald McCoy has meant to the team. Oh, he's great. Didn't you love his energy? I'm glad. Uh, what was yesterday? Yeah. He talked yesterday? Yeah. I mean, just he comes into a room. You're like, man, I love this guy, you know. And we joked around. I sat there and talked to him, gave him a hug when I first saw him. I was like, glad you don't have to chase me around anymore. You know, glad you're on our team because he has one of the fastest get-offs I've ever seen. Like he would, that ball would be snapped and he'd, spin, he'd, he'd swim so fast and like already be reaching to you as you're dropping away and very impressive. And so I don't know. You know what his health is at. You know he came from was his quad or something like that. Uh, I don't know where all that's at, but he's been at practice and I see him moving and think, man, I'm like he's he still can play. You know he, he still got it. He's twitchy. Uh, he's he, you could tell he's been in the gym. He looks great. Um, so I'm excited. I'm glad. You know bring him. Keep bringing him, man. Keep bringing good players. And so that was talking about Jeremy McCoy, what he's meant to the team so far on the field. And the one big thing I took away from from Gerald McCoy so far is off the field, his leadership, what he's been meaning to these other players where he's kind of taking them by the side and say, hey, do this or do that, and this is how you get home on this play, and, and you know, this is what to look for. That, almost a coach on the field, right? So I specifically asked Derek, I said, you know, he kind of seems like he's a coach on the field. I was walking down the hallway. We got done with our meetings, and we're walking to do, go get dressed for a walkthrough. And as I'm walking, he has the whole D-line sitting there and he's talking about fronts coverages he's like you got to know the coverage because you got to know when you can take a shot when you have an eight-man front and take a shot in this guy or this and then I'm like I'm like oh my gosh he's sitting there and all eyes are like locked in like all these young guys are even like writing it down like I was like bro like I don't know I don't know if last time I've seen something like that you know it was so impressed of those guys just one listening you know to him you know and because he's new but He's got six Pro Bowls. Obviously, you'll listen to the guy. He knows what he's doing. But, but two, him taking the time. You know, I've been around some guys. They don't. You know, they're just going to do their thing and just keep it pushing. But he, 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 man, he's just trying to make the team better. And I was so impressed by that. He just, he had them all, and like there was no one around. And I could hear him down the hall. And I come walking, and uh, and and there they are, just all the D line and him, just sitting there talking to him about fronts and when to do this. And then I'm like, it, it was really impressive. It was really cool. 
So there's Derek Carr right there talking about what he saw from Gerald McCoy, even though they weren't practicing. He still had the defensive line uh, all huddled up just talking about different things. Like you heard him break it down, you know, what you're looking for uh, when you know you could take a chance. And I mean, I just I think that that is just going to be uh, a big deal for this Raiders team. I and I've said it multiple times. I feel like Gerald McCoy's presence is going to make this team better. I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be statistic. He's not going to put up the, the biggest numbers. You know, the, the, he's not going to lead the team in sacks or nothing like that. I, but he's going to make this team better. And that's all you can really ask for. You just want the team to be better each and every time that they take that field. And if that, that presence of Gerald McCoy can help a, a Max Crosby out or could help a Jonathan Hankins take the next step or a Unique Ngakwe or any of the guys uh, that are going to be you know, competing, Darius Phylon, uh, Solomon Thomas. He's been doing a lot of work with Solomon Thomas. If he can help those guys get better and, oh, by the way, contribute as well, then the Raiders have some. They're cooking with grease is what I like to say. So uh, I, I just think uh, that that signing of Gerald McCoy was a big deal, even though when they signed him, I didn't think it was a big deal. And that's why, that's why you, you, you give your, your gut feeling and your gut opinion, and then you kind of do the research and you kind of study and you, you learn what's going on. You ask the right questions and you start understanding, okay, this guy is on the team for more reasons than just performance on the field. He's going to help all of these guys on this team, on that defensive line in general, get a lot better. And that's all that they could ask for. 2.24 is the time right now at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, the Raiders headquarters in Henderson, going to be here till 4 o'clock. Got coming up next, we got my guy, Alex Fleming. I actually ran into him in Canton, Ohio, when I was there for the Hall of Fame. Uh, it was a really good experience, and uh, he's from the Florida Sun Review, going to talk about the passing, a longtime Florida State head football coach, Bobby Bowden. It's a few days after he passed, but uh, it's never too late, so we'll catch up with Alex, and we'll do that next. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Give me your best. What's up, Raider Nation? This is uh, Hall of Famer Tim Brown. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. What's up, Raider Nation? This is Hall of Famer Tim Brown, and you listen to Raider Nation 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. And we're back here on Unnecessary Roughness. Coming up at 2.55, we'll have Raiders secondary coach Ron Miles join the show, talk about a very young secondary, how he's seen it grown since the training camp has started to where it is right now on uh, August 11th, 2021. That's coming up at 2.55. But right now, uh, pleased to have on the phone lines my guy Alec Fleming from the Florida Sun Review. Uh, met him in Canton, Ohio over the past weekend as we were at the site of the Hall of Fame. And uh, he's joining us to talk about uh, the passing of longtime Florida State head football coach Bobby Bowden but uh, before we get into that Alex just how did you enjoy your weekend there in Canton Ohio would you what were your biggest takeaways for the Hall of Fame oh man first and foremost thank you for having me on necessary roughness 920 a.m. Uh, secondly my takeaways bro I had a hell of a week I got to interview Terrell Davis Warren Moon Isaac Bruce mm. Charles Woodson Jimbo Covert Steve Atwater Cliff Harris I mean, I was at every ceremony. I was at the round table. Got to speak with Mel Blunt. Got to see kids just excited, not knowing who these guys were. You know, football <laughs> is real and it brings people together. So, I mean, that whole week, I mean, I was working, but it didn't seem like work. 
No, it never does. I tell people that all the time. As hard as we work and, and we grind a lot, I mean, when you love what you do and you're, you're able to do things that you mentioned right there, it's not really working. And, and the other thing I say, Alex, is it doesn't matter if you're a Raider fan, a Steeler fan, a Cowboy fan, uh, Eagles, whatever. It doesn't matter what fan base you are a, a diehard of. When you're at the Hall of Fame and you see all that greatness, all that's out the window. You're just seeing excellence on top of excellence on top of excellence. And, and you saw it all come together over the weekend. You're absolutely right. You know, politics weren't in play. There was no Democrats. There was no Republicans. There was no white. There was no black. I saw one, one altercation, and it was over a spilled beer. So it was justified. <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah, I mean, look, you spill a beer, now there's a problem. All right? <laughs> now we got an issue. But, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was great to be out there. I had a great time as well. And, uh I mean, you had you had a laundry list of great great people that you were able to interact with. So, uh, uh, congratulations to you on that, and and I definitely appreciate running into you and sharing a couple couple minutes and a few of the minutes that we we talked. We talked Bobby Bowden. We talked about the passing. It had, I think it was Sunday morning when it uh, it we became official that he passed away uh, in his bed with his his kids and his family by his side. Ninety one years old. Uh, we knew all we all knew it was coming because of uh, the announcement in July that he had been diagnosed with a terminal med- uh, medical condition, ended up being pancreatic cancer, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on Coach Bowden and, and what he meant to not only Florida State, but just you know, just to a lot of young men that he helped take from wherever they were, get them in college, and, uh, and, and get a lot of them to the NFL. So, so what were your thoughts on Coach Bowden? Legend. Never be another one like him. Clean slate. Unlike Joe Paterno, may he rest in peace as well. 327 wins. Second and NCAA Division One football all-time. 93-99 national championships. Kept that team in the running for 15 years straight. Uh, the, the Seminole flag, the Native American with the, with the spear that was on fire in the middle of the field, the, firing, the, the, the fiery speeches that he gave to his players, the fact that most of his players, not all, but most of his players graduated with a degree and a laundry list of NFL stars that came out of Florida State. Um, living legend cannot, will not replace him. He needs another statue. Right, absolutely. We're talking right now with Alex Fleming from the Florida Sun Review. You can find him on Twitter at A-L-X-F-L-M-N-G. That's Alex Fleming uh, here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio at 920. And, and, and Alex, man, just kind of, I mean, we can go on and on about the life and times of Coach Bowden because, again, I mean, there was so much greatness that, that went with him. But, uh, you know, just for him to be at peace and his family to be at peace with what everyone knew was going to ultimately happen, which happened on Sunday, uh, I mean, I just it just kind of told me a lot about him, about how he was just just uh, very comfortable in who he was, uh, very comfortable with every, th- every situation that was going to go on. And whatever the case may be, it was going to be one of those, hey, this is just what it is. Well, yes. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to compare Florida State to Alabama because that wouldn't be fair. Right, right. But, but for the 90s, people weren't talking about Alabama. They were mm-hmm. talking about Florida. A touch, a touch of the Florida Gators and a little bit of OU. But the 90s belonged to the state of Florida, whether it be the U or Florida State. Florida State was one of those programs. You go there for two reasons. One, you want to be coached by a legend. And two, you try to make it to the NFL. There mm-hmm. shouldn't have been another reason why you even went to Florida State unless you were trying to get an education and a doctorate and some type of psychology or medical degree. 
Right. And what was it about Coach Bowden? How was he able to just push the right buttons and get and get the most out of each and every player? And we all know if you go back, like you said, the 90s, man, Florida State was where it was at. That was one of the, the, the big powerhouses, like you mentioned. I mean, there was a casting of characters, man. No, they weren't a bunch of guys that were all alike each other. I mean, there was a lot of different personalities that went into those great teams. How was he able to get the most out of them? Because he was down to earth. He didn't treat these kids like they were a product or a commodity. He did a lot of the recruiting himself until he got too old to where he had his, you know, sub-coaches do it. He told the kids straight up, you're going to have to compete for your position. I'm not giving you a damn thing. I might have recruited you, but you're going to have to earn everything you get just like life. Once you escape college, life is going to try to beat you down. And unless you fight right now for it, life's going to be a lot tougher. It gave the kids a sense of, this is my moment. This is my time. If I'm going to shine, I'm at the place where I need to be. I need to fight for everything I get. He told Deion Sanders, don't think you're special just because you're special. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line right there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to use that at some point. Don't think you're special just because you're special. That's that's a really good one. And, and Alex, there's going to be a, a, a massive funeral service coming up on Friday. What are your expectations? Because there's going to be love shown all day long. I, I know it's being shown all week long, but especially at that funeral, uh, you know, uh, this funeral service, what are your expectations? A lot of heartache and pain. A couple of Hall of Fame legends that went to the school. A couple of Hall of Fame legends that competed against the school. Um, a lot of good, fond memories. Uh, a long coaching tree that he started and left behind. His son. Um, I, I expect a joyous occasion with a lot of tears because Bobby Brown was not only good for the school, but good for the community. He's one coach, I can actually say, that didn't bend any rules and is scandal-proof. It's a good point. It's a very good point. We're talking right now with Alex Fleming from the Florida Sun Review here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And you mentioned something that kind of caught my attention. Uh, Hall of Famers or, or, or guys that are uh, all pros, you know, were in the NFL, but played big time ball against Coach Bowden. He got the respect of not only the ones he coached, but the ones he coached against. Isn't that right? Oh, that's well respected. See, people would coach up against the players, but they would have to know that Bobby Bowden had a strategy. If he knew you had a good defense, he's going to test the weakness in your defense. If he had a good offense, he's taking away your primary weapon. He made other opposing teams think about how you're going to attack Florida State, how you're going to play Florida State, and what you're going to do on special teams. Because Florida State had a very underrated special teams. Now, we're not talking about Beamer Ball with Virginia Tech. Right. They probably weren't that good, but they were consistent in all three phases of the game. The 90s were a horrible, horrible time to be in the ACC against the Florida State. Yeah, and, you know, speaking of the ACC, we've seen such a power shift in in college sports and college football in particular. Uh, What are your thoughts on all the moving and shaking that's been going on with the the exodus, the mass exodus from the Big 12 coming up with Oklahoma and and Texas to the SEC, and who knows the rest of the moving that's going to go on? But uh, what are your thoughts on just the shifts that are going on in college football these days? I think it's disgusting. I think it's a straight power move. It's all about money. You wouldn't have seen these shifts if the players still weren't getting paid. But now that athletes can get paid off of the individual likeness, presidents of these colleges and the NCAA are like, okay, if the players are going to start getting paid, we need to make more revenue. That way we still topple them tenfold. So what? We're going to leave the Big 12 
and we're going to join the SEC or the ACC so that way we can get TV revenue, player revenue, jersey revenue, and apparel revenue while they're trying to get a little piece of the pie while they're attending our school. It's just, it's, it's disturbing how much power and leeway the NCAA has gotten away with for over 150 years. And I really, truly do deeply down in my soul believe that we are starting to see the end of the NCAA. It feels like it, doesn't it? It really does. I'm glad you said that because it feels like they're losing a grip each and every day. It feels like a little bit more of the protection, the shield that they have is not really there anymore. It feels like it's getting chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. And, you know, Alex, the thing about it is I've been covering the Big 12 for a long time when I was in Texas, and the University of Texas hasn't been winning and dominating in the Big 12. So what makes them think they're going to go to the SEC and all of a sudden go and dominate? You know, this is a money grab, right. and it's also a big fu to Texas A&M. Texas A&M left the Big 12 because they got sick and tired of trying to compete and win against Texas. Right. They were making their way in the SEC, and they got screwed out of a BCS bowl bid this last year. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to have to deal with Texas and OU, two people, two ex-girlfriends you didn't want to deal with. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, now, and, and now you have a power conference that has four teams that were former Big 12 or SWAC teams, one team that was former ACC, and you got two more ACC teams who want to be a part of the SEC come up next year. And that right. just happens to be Clemson and Florida State. Now, don't get me wrong. Power four conferences between the Big Ten, the Pac-12, which is actually 16, the SEC, and the ACC are going to be the main ones left because you got TCU and Texas Tech trying to join one of the conferences. But Pac-12 wants nothing to do with TCU or Texas Tech. And the Big Ten already took Nebraska, and Nebraska has fallen from grace. Right. So it really down to are you going to stick around in the south or are you going to be some novice moderate you know b plus player in another conference and it really is sad to see that this has happened to division one football but one thing that will come out of this that might actually be good i see more players staying home or going to more hbcu because a they don't want to deal with the nonsense of dealing with the powerful competition and b why would I go to one of these power schools and struggle to make a name for myself when I can make a name for myself staying home and doing it for a university that actually cares about me and not exploit me? That's a great point. It really is. It's going to be interesting how this whole power shift changes. And, and like you said, the NCAA feels like it's just losing its grip and losing its grip each and every day. Uh, great stuff there, Alex. Uh, I definitely appreciate you sharing a few minutes of your time this afternoon. Uh, I, I'm, ex- I'm assuming that you're going to be there in attendance or very close near uh, on Friday at Bobby Bowden's uh, funeral services. I was not able to get a ticket, but I okay. will be in the vicinity. That's what, yeah, there you go. As you should, as you should. I'm sure you'll have a lot to, to write about and talk about when it comes to that because that's going to be, like you said, a lot of emotions, a, a great celebration, but a lot of tears as well. Do you have anything coming out on the Florida Sun that uh, anyone needs to be on the lookout for? Actually, I just wrote a brand new piece today. It won't be out till next week, but football season is back. Yeah, baby. And I'm paying attention to the AFC South and the NFC South. And whether Saints fans want to acknowledge it or not, the Saints are falling apart. They're mm. fragile right now. They've had 10 recent departures. Marcus Lattimore, 
and a defensive tackle will be suspended for at least two to six games. You have a power struggle at quarterback with a guy who has less completions than Jameis Winston has touchdown throws. Oh, and then there's Jameis Winston, who has 121 touchdowns, but 88 interceptions. <laughs> maybe LASIK surgery helped, maybe not. And then you have Slantman, a.k.a. Michael Thomas, who doesn't right. want to be there anymore. But he knew Drew Brees was retiring. I think we're going to see a fall from grace and no more marching from the Saints. You know that, yeah, that I, I see that too. I mean, every point you just brought up is is major. Before I let you go, I, let me ask you about the Dolphins and and, and Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, how does he take that next step? Uh, what are your expectations for him and the Dolphins this upcoming season? You know, the Dolphins are in a lose lose situation because is actually good. They're mm-hmm. still not messing with the Buffalo Bills. Bill Belichick is a Sith Lord. I wouldn't turn my back on him like Randy Orton. They're going to be better <laughs> than they were last year. And the Jets, although still at the bottom of that division, actually has a quarterback and a hell of a defensive coach. If yeah. I'm Miami, if two is not the answer, I'm drafting or I'm going after Deshaun Watson. They have the draft capital to give up a wide receiver, two first-round picks, or a first-round pick, and Tua. Because if Tua doesn't produce this year, I promise you, they're going to try to ship him out. Now, they did pick up Jacoby Percet from the Colts, and the Colts are regretting that right now, mm-hmm. the hindsight being 20. But Tua hasn't had any deep strikes last year, is hesitant to throw the ball downfield, and has had his defense and special teams bail him out multiple games last year, the eight games that he did start. So this year is boom or bust for Tua Tungavaloa. There it is right there. Hey, great stuff, Alex. I definitely appreciate you, my man. This will not be the last time that we talk. Uh, it was great meeting you over the weekend, and thanks for sharing a few minutes of your time with us today here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, go Raider Nation. Love me <laughs> some Waller. I hope you guys can find a way to beat up on those Chiefs. Hey, anytime you need me, give me a call. I'm around. Will do. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate you. There he goes right there. Good stuff. Alex Fleming from the Florida Sun Review. Just met him over the weekend, and that's what it's all about, man. You meet some folks, you, you realize that there's some good people, and uh, you bring them to the airwaves and uh, spend a few minutes with them uh, just like that. So many thanks to Alex Fleming from the Florida Sun Review for joining us there to talk about uh, you know the life and times of Coach Bobby Bowden, him passing over the weekend at age 91, and then also just kind of scattershooting, talking some college ball and uh, talking a little NFL there as well. And definitely will not be the last time I have Alex here on the show. The time is 2.46. We're live right Right now, Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Henderson, the Raiders headquarters where they did not have practice today. They did not have field practice today, but they did do their weight room work and uh, got a little bit of learning in as well. When we come back, we'll be talking to Coach Ron Milas, Raiders secondary coach. He's going to join us about 2.55, so uh, he'll be around in just a few minutes. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Give me your best. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Hall of Famer Marcus Allen, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. <laughs> hey, Raider, hey Raider Nation, this is Marcus Allison. You listen to Radio Station 920. Say Raider Nation Radio 920. Raider Nation Radio Station 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll be talking to Raiders secondary coach Ron Milas here on the show. Very excited about this conversation that we'll have with him. And then coming up at 3.30, we'll have Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. She's our uh, normal Wednesday guest here on Unnecessary Roughness. 
here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And as again, man, super pumped up for this uh, this interview with Coach Milas. I did want to pass along a little bit of roster news. The Raiders signed defensive tackle Ethan Westbrooks today. Uh, Ethan Westbrooks, if that name uh, is familiar to you, he played in 2020 with the 49ers. Uh, before that, he was with the Raiders. And then before that, he was with the Rams. He's played in 67 games, 11 starts. Uh, 79 tackles, 9 sacks, 3 passes defense. Uh, he's an Oakland native, uh, went to Texas A&M, uh, West Texas A&M, excuse me, during his college career. So uh, he's back with the Raiders. Uh, again, he's been with the Raiders before. He's he's here, and uh, he's going to be, well, working out with them and, and seeing what they what he can do and seeing what, what kind of depth he could provide, if he could provide some depth. But, I mean, this is just what the Raiders continue to do is they continue to tinker with this roster. And as I've said multiple times, this is the time that you do that. You want to tinker with that roster, and you want to do it now. You've got to figure out exactly who the best 53 guys will be to lead the charge in 2021. You've got to get this thing done correctly. They've got to win this year, and they know that, and they're going to do everything they can. They're going to, uh, you know, they're not going to leave no stone unturned, and, and that's a good thing. So as you see these moves come in each and every day uh, or a couple times a week, whatever the case may be, just realize that it's just tinkering with the, the, the roster to see who, who fits in the puzzle piece and who doesn't. There's no need to panic. There's no need to get concerned. Like, oh, my gosh, if they're bringing another defensive tackle, they must, they must not be able to – they're not getting what they want. Not necessarily. They're just bringing in more guys. And, and again, Westbrooks has been with the team uh, before. Uh, most likely he's probably a guy that's going to contribute a lot throughout the preseason as they have their first preseason game coming up on Saturday. And, you know, maybe he sticks at the end when, when they cut down the roster and maybe he doesn't. That's up to him. But it's a guy that they're familiar with and a, a guy that I'm sure Rod Marinelli has no problem bringing in and, and working with, uh, you know, for the time being, if, if that's just what it is. Uh, later on the show, you'll hear a little bit more from Derek Carr. Uh, had a couple of his his clips that uh, that he had, or a couple of sound bites that he had from his media session earlier today. Uh, we'll get back into that in a little bit, probably around maybe three fifteen ish. Uh, after we finish talking to Coach Milas, I say 3.15 because I realize he has a, a meeting at 3.15. So <laughs> he'll definitely be done with us by 3.15. So uh, we're awaiting Coach Milas to call into to the station any second now. We'll get into that conversation. Uh, again, there was no practice today as far as on field, but there was weight room work. Uh, of course, Darren Waller, uh, Derek Carr had alluded to him earlier today and said, hey, he's got about 30 days before he actually has to get out there. Uh, he says nothing to worry about. Uh, it's just, you know, he's, he's, he'll, he'll be fine. So, you know, I know a lot of people are panicking. Some folks have said, uh, oh, man, he's holding out for a contract. He's not. He's not. He was out there, and he was working on the field yesterday uh, off to the side, the far field, just kind of doing some agility tests. So he's, he's, he'll be fine. He's just he's out there putting some work in, and when you're as important as Darren Waller is, you, you take your time and make sure that he's 100% ready to go. There's no reason to push him because, well, you already know what he can do, and you already know how important he is to your offense, and uh, even better, he's allowing guys like Foster Moreau to get some burn. He's allowing guys like Derek Carrier to get some burn. He's allowing guys like Brian Edwards to all of a sudden become the number one target, and, and Henry Ruggs to become a number one target and get that kind of action. Derek Carr and Darren Waller, they, they, they're already on the same page. Now it's an opportunity for the younger guys to get on the same page as well. So that's, that's a good thing. So, DeMond, let me know when we have Coach, and uh, we'll go right to him because, like I said, I know he has a meeting and don't want to – I don't want to. Uh, I don't. I don't want to make him late, and I know he won't be late because he's 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 ready to rock and roll. So I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, you know, t- have him on hold too long. So just let me know, kind of whisper in my ear uh, when he's ready to to go. Also coming up on 
Saturday, first preseason game of the season against the Seahawks. I'll tell you this, JT the Brick will have a pair of tickets to give out to that game tomorrow. So we're hooking it up here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We have uh, the hookup for some, some tickets. So if you're coming to town, if you're in town, and you're trying to win these tickets, make sure you're tuned in between 12 and 2 tomorrow afternoon. JT the Brick will be giving out tickets to the game on Saturday. And uh, it's a hot ticket. I'll tell you that. It is a hot ticket as far as uh, you know a, a preseason game goes. A lot of times you can get a preseason game ticket and you can get hooked up with, oh, no big deal. But, man, this is a hot ticket. I've seen prices around $200-something. I was told today earlier today that uh, there's some tickets in the stadium for pre- this preseason game going as high as $400. So that's a pretty expensive ticket for a preseason game. But it's the anticipation of Raider Nation getting into Allegiant Stadium, and uh, that, that's just what it is. That's, that's exactly what the prices are uh, after not being able to have any fans in the stands in 2020. So make sure you tune in to JT to get hooked up with a pair of those tickets to see the Seahawks on Saturday. Cannot wait to get out there uh, and myself and just witness it. You know, I was able to get out there to the stadium one time last year for that Sunday night Kansas City Chiefs game, and it was it was fun. It was really fun, but it uh, it, it it had no fans, so it wasn't it wasn't as exciting as it could have been. You know, and and I think in that game in particular. The fans would have made a big difference in the outcome of that game. I just think with Raider Nation just getting loud and proud, it would have gone a long way. But, you know, obviously we know what the climate was in 2020. So just to be able to be there myself and witness it on Saturday, to just to see the, the, the way that the Raider Nation is represented in Allegiant Stadium and how loud that's going to be, I just anticipate that stadium being so stinking loud, as a lot of the players mentioned on Sunday that it was so loud. And it was only about 20,000 fans, I believe, in the stands on, uh, on, on Sunday. So if you imagine a packed house, Man, that thing's going to be just so stinking loud. So I'm excited about uh, seeing that and be able to come back and, and talk about that and talk to the players uh, following the game as well. So uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll take a quick break here, Damon, since uh, since Coach Miles hasn't called in yet. We'll take a quick break, and then as soon as he uh, he calls in, we'll uh, we'll pop him right on and uh, we'll do that. So let's go. So let's take a quick break. It's two fifty eight. We'll take a quick break. Come on back. This is Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. <laughs> 